So internationalization is not mo is actually more than just bringing international people to your campus. It's a really a mindset. Welcome to Higher Education Without Borders, a podcast series dedicated to education professionals worldwide. This series is hosted by Dr. Sentel Nathan and Dean Hoke, managing partners in Edu Alliance. Each episode is a conversation with thought leaders that will enlighten and provide some new thoughts on critical issues facing higher education. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Higher Ed Without Borders, and thank you for tuning in. I'm Dean Hoke in Bloomington, Indiana, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Sintel Nathan, who is in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. Sintel, how are you doing? And also, I'd like to introduce our first guest. Yeah, certainly, Dean. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's my pleasure to welcome and introduce Professor Ihab Badrahman, who has been serving as the provost of uh, American University in Cairo since 2017. Prior to that, uh, Ihab uh, had served uh, AUC as vice provost Associate Provost for Research, uh, Director of the Yusuf Jamil Science and Technology Research Center, Associate Dean of Graduate Studies and Research, Chair of the Department of Physics. And uh, he joined uh, AUC as an Assistant Professor in 2006. Ihab uh, received his PhD in Physics from the University of Utah, where he served as a Research Assistant Professor and Postdoctoral Fellow. Uh, he has uh, plenty of international experiences in US, Denmark, Germany, Sweden, Lebanon, UK, and many other countries through his research and other collaborations. Uh, so welcome to the program, uh, Dr. Ihab. I, I want to start with uh, uh, a little bit on your uh, reputed university. American University in Cairo is over 100 years old and it has maintained its reputation in spite of many socio-political and economic change, changes. In your view, what are some keys to this success of AUC? Senthil and Dean, thank you so much for uh, having me with you today and thank you for your kind introduction. Uh, the American University in Cairo was established in 1919. And since then, the university has been through revolutions, wars, uh, uh, pandemics uh, uh, and and currency devaluations. So many, many issues that came by through those 103 years that made AUC uh, a resilient and agile institution. Uh, AUC uh, prides itself by its liberal arts, liberal arts education. That's what we carry uh, in this part of, uh, of, the, uh, of the world, which is actually unique and kind, kind of education in, in the region. Um, uh, so graduating a well-rounded citizen uh, is a key for development in the, in the Middle East, honestly. And uh, th that's why EUC is keen on providing this liberal arts, liberal arts education, high quality education, but it's not only education that we pride ourselves with. We pride ourselves also with the whole experience that we provide to our students uh, inside the classroom and outside the classroom. So when you hear of a new pedagogy that's offered in Harvard, you will also find it at EUC. You will, uh, if, you, if you hear about a new uh, club, student club 
uh, that's coming in uh, uh, West Mount. You will find it also at EUC. So we uh, kind of, we bring the word to Egypt and we provide Egypt to the world. Well, you mentioned over a hundred years, which is an incredible amount of time. And you have gone through all kinds of different things. You've gone through wars, inflation, etc. But it seems like your most recent crisis has been the pandemic that was indeed worldwide. And I know here in the United States, over a million people passed away. And I know it had quite an effect in Egypt as well. But most people forget how what kind of an effect that it had on universities. I'd like you to discuss that a little bit. What did you have to do once the pandemic hit and you realized at that point in time, um, things had to be done differently? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, you know, uh, I think the pandemic did not hit Egypt first. It came to China first and gave us a little bit of time to prepare, honestly. So once it hit China and we started to read about it, uh, we started to prepare that because we knew it's coming. No matter what we do, it's coming to Egypt and we should be ready when it comes. So we started to uh, train our faculty on, uh, to, on online education. Uh, we started to uh, uh, develop our systems in order to support our students if we have to go all, totally online. For example, we uh, moved the physical labs in the School of Engineering to be a virtual labs. Uh, it took a lot of time from our faculty and our technical staff to do this. But when we moved to total online education in March of 2020, we were ready. The, the one thing that we were not ready uh, to face is the mental effect on everyone. We were not prepared for this. Uh, but we also uh, started to notice during the first few couple of months that the, the, the effect on our staff and faculty mentally, and we also start to work on it. I would uh, proudly say that uh, so far, uh, things have been going really well uh, in when it comes to how did we deal with COVID. We uh, track the numbers at, uh, of, at EUC in Egypt and worldwide in order to uh, address the issues on the ground, at the same time, prepare for what may come in the future. Uh, this uh, academic year, if I may add, uh, this academic year, we went back to face-to-face -to -face, uh, 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 teaching uh, delivery. It's of all classes have been delivered uh, in face-to-face -face modality. And it was that was not easy too, because uh, when we start to actually, when we decide that we'll go back face-to-face, -face, vaccine was not uh, really available in the country. We had to vaccinate all of our community before we go back to face-to-face. -to -face. That took us a lot of work uh, in order to provide vaccination for our uh, AUC community. And also, uh, we added one more day of classes in order to spread the classes on more uh, number of days in order, and we minimize the number of students in a class, reduce them in order also to make sure that there is a physical distancing inside the classroom. Uh, were uh, this uh, uh, Thursday, yesterday was the last day of classes. Everything went really well, and now we're looking for the summer semester. Well, I am curious. You had mentioned that while you had a chance to prepare, it was still a very difficult situation for you and the university, and 
in particular, I imagine switching faculty from face-to-face -face situation to online had to be quite stressful for them. How did you address that issue? How did you, how were you able to help them and how did they react? Okay, one thing that we have done immediately after we went to online teaching modality in March 2020, we surveyed the faculty and the staff weekly with a very short survey, but a very educational one to ask them about the challenges they, they are facing. We centrally collected those challenges and we started to address them and solve the problems as we go on. Uh, that helped a lot. Uh, so we have a very good center of learning and teaching. Uh, they were the key of success uh, to manage the, 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 the COVID situation on, the, on campus. Outstanding. Central? Yeah. Over the past 100 years, uh, I'm sure, uh, Dr. Ihab, that you have tried very hard to maintain some of the best practices of American education. And uh, you already hinted at some of them, like liberal studies and so on. Uh, so if you can highlight a little bit of what you tried to maintain and also what kind of unique practices, uh, unique to Cairo and Egypt that you uh, have, uh, because this podcast uh, will be listened to by um, literally thousands of educators around the world. Uh, they would like to take your best practices and learn from this. Uh, so if you can give some advice as well. So through those 100 years, EUC uh, maintained its uh, autonomy, which is very important to uh, our, uh, uh, our operation here. Uh, EUC also uh, provided uh, the academic freedom to everyone on campus, which is also a key of success for any academic institution. Uh, so I would say that uh, what we provided uh, uh, in Egypt through those years is the American uh, education, American higher education, that's well rooted in the Egyptian uh, context. Uh, uh, so uh, what's unique to Cairo, what's unique to Egypt, as I mentioned, that we, uh, every, if you bring the, just the American education to any country, it may not succeed. You have to you know, fine-tune it in order to suit, to suit the environment that you, uh, uh, you're operating in. Uh, so, um, for example, uh, when we bring the international students and the, the international faculty to AUC at the beginning, we have a very good orientation system for uh, orientation uh, program for them. It's a, almost a year-long orientation uh, program in order to educate them about the country, the culture, uh, the values of EUC, uh, what we kind of uh, uh, freedom we enjoy on campus, uh, all those sort of things are uh, uh, provided to our uh, international and faculty and students. And our Egyptian students also, when we bring them, we have the first year program for them in order also to introduce them what do we mean by American higher education? What, what, um, you know, what is liberal arts education? Uh, students in that part of the region are not, uh, they specialize from day one when they go to university. So declaring after a couple of years, declaring a major after a couple of years is kind of unique surprise to parents and students. And we need to explain to them the value of this. 
why why does the student uh, need to explore different majors different subjects before he or she decides on uh, their future um, what what is the meaning of uh, and why is it important to have a major and a minor or maybe double majors this kind of uh, different kind of education that we provide in uh, at the American University in Cairo makes us unique in, in Cairo. Yeah. And what, what, what kind of uh, advice or best practices international academic leaders can take from AUC? Uh, okay. I think the advice is uh, do not try, do not uh, uh, replicate any institution. Just be yourself. Be the university that you want to be. Set your own vision. Set your own plan. Do not look at uh, best practices. Look at, look at best practices when it comes to procedures and operation. But when it comes to vision and what do you want to be as a university, set your own. Set your own vision and stick to it. That's also important. Excellent. Dean? Let's switch a little bit. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about you personally. Um, when we chatted before, before we started this podcast, um, I came to learn that you have indeed had also been an international student at one time. And I saw that smile on your face when we started talking about that, which I was going, oh, this is interesting. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your own experience, a little bit of background, and coming eventually to the United States and to what I would consider an unusual place for somebody from the Middle East? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, uh, I received all of my uh, pre-college education and undergraduate and master's degree uh, from Egypt in public schools and public universities. Then I traveled to Salt Lake City, Utah to uh, start working on uh, my uh, PhD. That was really a culture, uh, a huge culture change for me. Um, I'm sure that when you travel from New York to Utah, it will be a culture change. But when you also travel from Cairo to Salt Lake, it's another uh, you know, level of culture change. I really enjoyed my time, my time in Salt Lake City. I uh, loved uh, um, not only to study physics, which I did. I got my PhD in almost 40 years. Uh, but I also loved knowing more about the culture, the people. Uh, um, the, and more importantly, what made the higher education uh, system in the U.S. so successful? Uh, why is it different than the higher education system in Egypt? So I was that graduate student who goes from office to office to ask about what is what do you mean by financial aid? What is uh, autonomy? What is that? What is autonomy? We did not hear that word back in Egypt in our universities. So um, uh, provost, what does a provost do? Uh, all of that, I was really curious to know. Uh, all elements of how to run a university and not only uh, uh, operationally and the management, but also financially. Um, I remember uh, my um, 
my advisor was really impressed by what all what I do, and he kept saying that I will one day I will go back to Egypt and I will be something, and, and I don't want to elaborate more than that. But uh, and I also was um, the the president of the Egyptian Student Association in North America, that's in the U.S. in the U.S. and Canada. And I got also to know a lot more about other universities in the U.S. other than University of Utah through my colleagues um, since I was the president of the association. And I would say that that experience made, made the person in front of you now. Um, honestly, I owe it to, to University of Utah and I owe it to the American higher education system uh, to make me what I am now. Well, I think we're going to have to uh, send this message to the University of Utah. I just heard a very proud alumnus speaking. But let me kind of go back into a couple of things that you said earlier. Um, your undergraduate and your graduate degree, you're essentially a scientist. I mean, you're a physicist. And in Egyptian institutions, you come to the United States, you go to the, to the West, um, and you're right, the, the difference between maybe um, how somebody from the Midwest or New York would even look at it would say that's quite a culture change. But what attracted you to go internationally, number one, and number two, why that institution? What helped me as a thinking like a student a little bit? What, what got your attention? So um, what uh, I really wanted to go to the U.S., uh, honestly, because I really wanted to be a better physicist. I wanted to meet uh, uh, people from all over the world. I, I know that in the U.S. you will find uh, people from Poland, Romania. Those are my colleagues in, in, in my PhD studies. I had uh, colleagues from Romania, Poland, Russia, China, of course, of course the U.S., Germany. Uh, so it, we were an, a part of international students that we exchanged cultures, ideas, uh, uh, and uh, uh, and that you know, really something that I really wanted to experience. Uh, that's why I was focused on applying for American universities uh, in uh, in order to do my PhD. When I received a couple of acceptance uh, letters, I looked at. Uh, who should I study with? That's why before I even travel, or before I accept my uh, admission, my admission to University of Utah, I choose the advisor uh, that I'm going to work with in, in uh, from Egypt. Um, and you know, it's I, I would say that was a risk um, to you know to travel to a new country, new education system, to do your PhD. Uh, um, but it, it was worth it. It was. It is really worth it. Fantastic. Central? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Ihab, as you know, uh, this podcast is about internationalization, higher education without borders. So in that spirit, uh, if, if you look at internationalization uh, of, say, faculty, student body, curriculum, governance, accreditation, those kind of things, uh, how should or could the university prioritize the order of the, these things, you know, at, 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 particularly at a given point of time? I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, in your recent history, you had uh, challenges in attracting international faculty at some point when you had a currency devaluation. And probably at some point you had uh, challenges in attracting international students. 
How do you manage those seasons? So uh, internationalization is very important to any university because that's where uh, people got get people get to accept others, mm -hmm. and this is very important to our uh, world. Actually, acceptance of other is uh, so crucial uh, to uh, maintain good relationship between the people across the, the borders, which is uh, something we uh, really value at EUC. So. Um, so having international students and having international faculty adds to any university. Of course, it you know as you know and as I, I know, uh, ranking is affected by that. Uh, but re really, this is a very uh, uh, secondary issue. It's not the main. The main point here is when when I used to teach. I did not teach for the last few years, but when I used to teach. And when I had uh, uh, an international student in my class, the dynamics of the class was, to is, was totally different. The level of the class, the seriousness in the class was totally different. When you go out uh, of the classroom and you look at your, our plaza here, where the students actually gather, uh, when you see international students on the plaza, you see, feel also that the dynamics on the plaza the end, amount of energy uh, on the plaza is different. Mm -hmm. People, do, our students tend to stay more on campus if they get those more, more international students because that's where they get exchanges of ideas, culture, food uh, happening on our campus. Uh, so uh, I would say the life of, on campus is different. The life inside the classroom is different. Even the dorms is also uh, uh, the dorms is the dynamics in the dorms also is different when you have international students. Uh, so um, uh, uh, so uh, what what do we mean by internationalization? Internationalization is not also uh, is not only having international students and international faculty on campus. This is very important, but also having your local students and your local faculty travel, get uh, to meet other people in other universities, get to understand the uh, other universities. So the sabbatical is also very important for our faculty because that's where they get to go out and go to spend a semester or two in other uh, universities and get that experience. The exchange programs uh, at EUC is very important to us because that's also where our own students get to travel to different universities and get exposed to other cultures and other people. So internationalization is not more, is actually more than just bringing international people to your campus. It's a really a mindset. Uh, as you mentioned, Senthil, uh, a minute ago, even the governance. Uh, when you internationalize your governance, uh, that's also that. This is a mindset. Yeah. Yeah, and, and these uh, difficult seasons, uh, Ihab, that you went through, uh, you know, when you had a devaluation and faculty did not, could not be attracted or students could not come 10 years back when you had uh, issues in the country. Uh, how do you manage these? You know, before the 2011 uh, revolution, EUC enjoyed something in the range of 20% international students on average. Now we're almost 7%. Uh, 
uh, we were down to 3%, up again to 7% this year. Um, um, you know, the security of the country, uh, you know, it's something we cannot really control. We do our best to ensure the security of our campus and our dogs, but the country itself is beyond our control. So, and when things happen far away from AUC in Sinai, it by default it affects us too here you know, on campus because the, you know the State Department already. Then when they hear about that, they list Egypt as level X or level Y uh, on the security level. Um, that affects other universities. There is a liability of those universities to send their their students to EUC. That affects the international. The, the 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 flow of international students to Egypt, uh, but and that's a lesson that we learned from COVID. Although having them physically is good and really appreciated, but we can have them through online, you know, interaction between our students and those students. Uh, I know that's going to be for a short period. It's not the full experience, but it's better than nothing. So that's something that we learned from COVID, uh, uh, really, uh, that uh, we can get some international students to uh, be with us virtually and get our students to interact with them and exchange ideas and culture with them without having them on campus. Um, uh, devaluation, this is, you know, this is the issue when you, ha you work in a country other than the US, when you have an American university operate in a country other than the US, you're subject to working in an environment with two currencies, the US dollar currency and the local currency. Uh, when there is an economic issue in the country, it affects or by default the operation of the university itself. I think one thing that we are uh, working hard to ensure the financial sustainability of the university is actually to solve that those financial issues by through different mechanisms uh, at EUC. We have been through this for the last 103 years. Uh, I expect that we're going to continue having that issue for the next 100 years too, but we know how to deal with it. We have 50% 50, 50 of our faculty are international faculty. The whole 100%, uh, all, the whole 100% of our faculty got their education outside of Egypt. Hmm. So they have the international experience too. Yeah. So in spite of the devaluation and the economic situation, we're very successful also in attracting international faculty, faculty to EUC. We offer competitive uh, packages to them. But it's actually, you know, if you choose academia as a career, money is not the main driver for uh, uh, your to accept a job somewhere. It's, there are other things that we can provide at EUC other than the financial package which is the experience uh, that we have uh, on our two campuses. We have two campuses now. In 2008, EC moved to a totally new campus, and we still have the downtown campus also operational. So the experience that we provide to our faculty, the unique experience that we provide to them, uh, actually also attracts them beyond the package. Yeah, this will be our last question. Number one, this has been great. And thank you very much. This has been very educational, not only for us, but I, hopefully I think for our listeners as well. And this may sound like an odd question because you are an international school, but can you talk a little bit about your international partnerships? I know you do exchanges and I know you do some things, 
but do you do other types of international partnerships? Can you give a couple of brief explanations, a couple of ideas of things that you do? Yeah, we have uh, many international agreements. Uh, I think we have more than 225 international agreements with uh, universities and organizations outside uh, Egypt. 40% of those uh, agreements are with the US-based organizations slash universities. And uh, we uh, collaborate with foundations. We collaborate with industry. We collaborate with, in, uh, with universities. Uh, at the end of the day, we want to serve the students, our students. And our students do not only, uh, 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 no, let me rephrase that. Collaborate, uh, serving our students does not mean only travel, uh, helping them to travel to international universities. But for example, spending uh, a co-op semester, collaborative education semester in an organization outside Egypt is uh, helping our university, our students. That kind of collaboration also is appreciated. We are, by the way, we're the, uh, the first university in the region to establish a co-op program where the students are asked to leave the university for a whole six months to go work, real work, then come back to continue their studies. During that those six months, they are supervised by our faculty and their supervisor at uh, the institution they work for. Uh, uh, so, as you can imagine, Dean, uh, that requires also collaboration and agreements with those uh, organizations. Uh, so, um, we're very proud of our partners. Uh, they understand the role of uh, that EUC plays in that part of the region, and they try as much as uh, as they can to help us. And they can name many: uh, uh, Harvard, uh, Leiden. Uh, um, I don't, Bard College, many universities in the US uh, and many universities in Europe, India, China, Beijing University, they uh, really believe in us and uh, they uh, do their best to help us. That's fantastic. Yeah. Dr. Eve, I think we're about at the end of our podcast. I want to thank you um, on behalf of Dr. Central and myself. This has been uh, great. And we very much appreciate you coming on today. Um, one of the things to our listeners is that if you'd like to comment on today's show and possibly suggest other topics for future guests, do go to our website, which is at www.hireitwithoutborders.com. And we have a comment section. And let us know what you think good, bad, whatever the case may be, we'd love to hear from you. And to conclude, on behalf of Dr. Central Nathan, Edge Alliance, and our production team, I want to thank you very much. And also make sure you subscribe. And Dr. Ehab, again, it's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ehab. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. EDU Alliance is an international higher education consulting firm with offices in Abu Dhabi since 2014 and Bloomington, Indiana since 2017. Nathan and Hoke, along with their team of experienced education professionals, have assisted over 30 universities in nine countries. If you wish to learn more about Higher Ed Without Borders, please go to our website at www.higheredwithoutborders.com. 
You will find details on our podcast, contact information, and Edu Alliance's services. Thank you.